Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to This is the Place, a podcast series from The Common Magazine on the New Books Network. The Common publishes literature and art with a modern sense of place. I'm Emily Everett, managing editor of the magazine and host of the channel. Today, we'll be talking to Jake Lancaster about his story, Grace's Folly, which appeared in issue 25 of The Common. Jake Lancaster is a graduate of the Iowa Writers' Workshop, where he was awarded the Henfield Prize for Fiction. His short stories have appeared in Forever Magazine, Heavy Traffic, The Southampton Review, Sierra Nevada Review, and X-Ray. He lives with his family in Minneapolis. Jake Lancaster, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Emily. It's really nice to speak with you today. Would you just set the scene for our conversation? Tell us where you're calling from now. Yeah, sure. I'm in um, Minneapolis. Um, It's kind of cool and rainy here after a long summer of it being very hot. So yeah, it's really, it's really nice here today. A good day for a book, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great day for a book. Well, on that note, would you start us off with a reading from your story? Maybe the first few paragraphs? Yeah, yeah. This is from Grace's Folly. When I can't sleep, I drive up to the ski hill and ride around with Tick in a snowcat until all the runs are groomed and my head's raked clean just before first light. I bring a thermos full of hot chocolate mixed with a few shots of Rumplemans, stale donut holes from Village Foods, and sometimes an uplifting book about how to live a better life that I always end up losing before I can give it back to my sister, Dina. Because it's almost Christmas, the donut holes are decorated with tiny red and green sprinkles. These are only only about a day old, huh, Janie? Tick says. Moonlight fills the cat's cab illuminating his wild beard, flecked with scales of glaze and a single sugary green bit. Pretty much fresh, fresh, I say. Yeah, straight out of the fryer. We laugh about that. Our hips touch on the bench seat through his canvas coveralls and my denim jeans. But that's as much as we allow, because we're not bad people. I mean, we're trying to be good people is what I mean. We were a thing in high school, 
before we became a part of other more complicated things. Insomnia for one, occasionally for me, always for Tick. Also, my marriage that's become roadkill. And my five-year-old daughter who has type 1 spinal muscular atrophy. As for Tick, various misdemeanors, a tiny little felony, his romances with Xanax, Benzos, Oxys. Thank you so much for reading that. For yeah, our of listeners course. who may not have read the story yet, I wonder if you could just describe what, what, how you would describe what the piece is about. Yeah, always a very tough question. Um, yeah, I mean, so sort of superficially, it is, um, yeah, it's about a woman and she has a daughter. The daughter has special needs. Um, she has kind of a difficult medical condition. Um, and she's five, so she's sort of settled into this routine of taking care of her. Um, she's married. Um, and that has become, she sort of just hit this lull in her life. Um, and she has a friend who she is not necessarily, you know, romantically linked with. Um, but she does have some affection towards him and she kind of sees him at night at the ski hill she works at. Um, and she wants to have another child despite, you know, the difficulties of, of the situation she finds herself in. Um, she wants another child. And I, I don't know if she's sure why. Um, I think there's some sort of like impulses that are, you know, genetic and that are kind of inside her. Um, and I think she thinks it, it's possibly something that could, you know, fix the way things are in her life. So that's sort of, what it's about. Great. Right. Yeah. That, no, that's perfect. I'm wondering what, what inspired you to start work on this story? Like how did the first ideas of the first draft come together? Yeah. You know, it's been a while since I was sort of like really into this story, writing it. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's interesting how those memories just kind of fade and disappear. Um, which is not to say that I don't have any idea how this story came about. Um, I think I wanted to write, um, a female protagonist and I'm not sure why. Um, maybe it's, I mean, two of my favorite novels are, um, Madame Bovary by Flaubert, um, uh, Evan S. Connell's Mrs. Bridge. Um, and those are both, you know, women written by men. Um, they're amazing books. Um, and I think maybe it was just somewhat something of a challenge to do that, to set out and do that. Um, and also, I think I just wanted to like write a story about someone in a snow cat. And if you don't know what a snow cat is, <laughs> it's just like this crazy big machine that sort of grooms runs at a ski hill. Um, I worked at a ski resort in Montana and I didn't run the snow cat. It was kind of like a highly skilled job. It's a total art to be able to do that. But um, I was in, <laughs> I made snow overnight. So I would like, Oh yeah blow snow basically like fake snow to fill in gaps and low spots uh, but my friend my friend ran the snow cat and he'd like you know give me rides at night and it was just this really strange experience um you're like in this little snow globe type of thing and it's sort of scary and um yeah i just i just I, that was a long time ago now you know i was like in my early 20s um mm -hmm. But uh, I've just always sort of remembered like being in that snow cat and it was just always this interesting world. 
Yeah, it's funny. I think that's probably what drew me to your submission when I first started reading is I have also I have never been in a snow cap, but I, I also used to work at a, a ski area in this area and I used to teach skiing <laughs> to kids who are really too young to learn how to teach, yeah. like learn how to ski. Um, but it is sort of a strange world and especially late at night when everything sort of shuts down. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of a, a magical yeah. place. And then these sort of like, like that's sort of magical. And then the problems that she's having are not mundane, but sort of, you know. They're not magical. They're a bit dreary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly like that. Um, and there's a darkness. I mean, there's a literal yeah. darkness. You know, you're working in the pitch black, um, and you might have, you know, these these headlights from the machine. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just wanted to capture that for at least like you know part of where the story was kind of set. Mm-hmm. This story has a really great offbeat quality. It sort of steers towards the uncomfortable moments, things that make you feel a little on edge when you're reading. It's, the plot does that, but also sort of the tone and the focus and the things that the story kind of asks us to notice. I was noticing while you were reading, you know, she, the narration points out to us the flecks of glaze in the beard, uh, you know, from eating the donuts. And that's, you know, it's just sort of one of my students used the word grotesque for it in in the most positive way possible (laughs) um can you talk a little bit about creating that feeling here and i think maybe in some of your other pieces yeah yeah um yeah it's a really interesting question um i I wonder too if it's like if some of these things um i know there's a moment that i find to be really disgusting where janie who's the protagonist like spits a piece of sandwich onto the table (laughs) and then she but she like you know, kind of dabs at it with her finger and, mm. and eats it, which is really gross, right? Like, I think that's very gross, but I don't know if that's like an objectively gross thing. Um, so I think a lot of it is like, what is, how do you sort of view these things? Um, you know, I think we all, you know, maybe try to appear sort of, you know, elegant and polite, um, but much of our lives is, is fairly inelegant, you know, um, like on a day-to-day basis. Um, and I think I just wanted to get at some of that because it felt real. Um, and I think it feels real, particularly when you, um, when you have children or mm-hmm. you want a child, um, you know, there's a lot of like bodily things that are happening. Um, right. And they can be really uncomfortable and strange, um, you know, not just for um, a woman, but um, sort of everyone in the household, you know. Um, yeah. And I think just to just to get at those things kind of, um, yeah, created this sort of atmosphere um, that, I, that yeah. I wanted. I mean, it's, it's highly effective. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> um, I know you said it was, it was quite a while ago that you wrote this story. Um, but I, I wonder what you remember about the revision process. Um, you, I feel like you must have revised it a lot before submitting, because I know once we accepted it, we didn't make a lot of edits at all. We made just like a few minor changes and that is pretty rare for us. We're like very hands-on editors. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's good to hear. Um, yeah, my, I don't have like a single sort of revision process that I go through. Um, I think I I do remember this being very full. I remember it being longer. Um, I remember the end, you know, wherever it ends now, I think there was another page or two. Um, 
possibly three more pages of that. Um, this was actually, I think, workshopped when I was in grad school. Um, yeah, which it wasn't that long ago. That was like, uh, yeah, two, three years ago. Um, and I think it was just a lot of like, I had this big block of granite and it was just like chipping away at the pieces that were inessential or unimportant. Um, and, you know, you helped with that too, Emily, with some, some edits. Um, but just as like, as a writer, I write very slowly. Um, I take my time. I feel like a first draft for me is like a fourth draft for other people. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just really careful with every sentence and, you know, every word. Um, so it takes me a long time. So, you know, by the time a first draft is around, if it's not working, like I'll just abandon it and move on to something <laughs> else. Cause generally it's taken me so long to get there, you know? Mm. Um, so that's, that's kind of the process. Um, yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. I feel like most of the writers I talk to, you know, everybody is under this, um, this advice to write the, what they call the shitty first draft, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the yeah. Quick, quick and dirty first draft. And I have never been able to do it. I, I think like you, I write yeah. very slowly and the words on the page have to sound nice to me or I can't keep going. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it does mean that revision for me is usually, yeah, it's too long. And I said more than I needed to say, and then kind of pulling it back a little. Yeah. 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 I have to write from like left to right and it has to mm-hmm. happen in a somewhat orderly fashion. Like the thought of writing, you know, if you were writing a novel or something to write a fifth chapter before you write the first, second, third, and fourth is like, (laughs) it's insane to me (laughs) (laughs) to write pieces that you could sort of like collage together at some point is, is, I don't understand that. I'm sure it works. I know people do that. (laughs) Um, Maybe it'd make my life easier, but. Yeah. I I think you have to kind of go with what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know you, you already mentioned this a little bit um, about uh, choosing to write a woman's experience. And, I, and I, was, I just wanted to hear a little more about that. I wonder how tricky it was to get inside Janie's experience. It's like, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a female character, but motherhood especially is obviously like this like exclusively female thing. Yeah. And, and all the characters and all your stories are really complex. But I also, you know, having read a few of them, I feel like maybe most of them aren't very close to your own experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I think you have to be sort of naive to be a writer and you have to go to these places that you may not have like full, complete understanding of and access to. Um, and I think that's okay. Um, you might only have partial knowledge of how this person lives or what this place is like. Um, but I think that's okay too. Um, you know, I, I mean the, I guess the, like the really unexciting answer is that, um, I don't really, you know, I, I wonder too, if some writers sort of write, um, a character who isn't of their sort of like biological sex in the same way they'd write a character who is of their biological sex. Mm. Um, you know, you think of that person as like, I don't know what it's like to be a woman, Um, but I know what it's like to be a person and I just kind of level it out that way. Like these are all people sort of dealing with, you know, the problem of being alive and, you know, in that, with that, like 30,000 foot sort of glance at things, Mm -hmm. like it doesn't matter that they're male, female, 
or other, you know. I mean, it does, of course, in sort of, you know, specific ways, but then it also doesn't in these in these larger ways. Yeah. I mean, it also sounds like you undertook it almost as an experiment, like like you were sort of attracted to the, the idea of it and whether you could do it. So, I mean, the worst case scenario is it doesn't work and you put it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was that. It was just, yeah. Um, yeah, it was just trying to find a different way into the story and around it. Um, I think, you know, had I written from the perspective of, I think, um, you know, the husband in the story or Tick who drives the snowcat, um, I don't know what that story would have been. I think I would have known too much about it and it would have ended up um, being sort of uninteresting or Mm -hmm. not compelling in some way. And to just, you know, have the difficulty of trying to understand someone else, um, I think maybe made it somewhat successful or, you know, more interesting. Yeah. I mean, I I also feel like sometimes I write too close to my own experience and then it's just, yeah, yeah, there's no like breathing space for magic to happen. (laughs) As corny as that sounds. No. yeah, Yeah. 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 Because everything, you know, everything, I mean, somewhat if you know yourself yeah not that i do but yeah too much certainty in writing not usually a good thing (laughs) yeah yeah uh so i mean looking at some of your other stories um which i really enjoyed it it seems like intimacy is maybe a, a writerly fascination of yours sort of what it means to know someone or hide yourself from someone or hide your thoughts from someone sort of these interior things that we think that we don't share. Um, do you feel like that's something you're often writing about or, or sort of that you've come to, to return to many times? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've, um, yeah, sort of framed it up like that, but yeah, I think you're right. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sort of an introvert and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I have, you know, people in my life, of course, um, I'm married, I have two children, um, and as much as I think I, I might, you know, be alone sometimes, the fact is, like, my life is, there's other people in it. Um, and, and you have to sort of encounter them on a daily basis. Um, and it can be really difficult. And um, it can be really difficult to be close to people. And I think some of the stories are about that. Yeah. Um, like, how do you make that mean something, you know? I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These are two-minute meals. Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com NBN50 and use code NBN50 to get 50% off. That's code NBN50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50 percent off yeah no I, I really i yeah it's something i enjoy um one of the things or i guess two of the pieces i read of yours were flash fiction um 
and it for last fiction is definitely a love of mine as well. I think it's personally, I find it so much easier to write than <laughs> full length short stories. Um, and I think the appeal of flash for me is that you only have to focus on the parts of the story that really excite you. So you don't have to do all the things, fill out every character, yeah. answer every question. You don't have to tie it up. Um, what, what, what would you say it is that appeals to you about flash? Yeah. Yeah. I have been writing shorter pieces and I do, I think you're exactly right. It seems, it feels, it may not be, but it feels easier. And there's just, it's like, it's just slightly somewhat pleasurable to write a shorter piece like that. (laughs) And like longer pieces, you know, I'm writing a novel. I sort of have a novel somewhat finished. Those are not like, they take a lot out of me and they're very difficult and they're not yeah. pleasurable experiences. Um, <laughs> they're torture. It's torturous, you know, like writing is yep. very difficult for me. Um, and to write something that is just sort of this, you know, snapshot, this photograph. Um, yeah. There's something free feeling about it. Um, and I think that's why, you know, um, yeah, it's just, it's just, they're just like these little sort of notes. Um, but they can, you know, embody these characters and whole worlds too. So, um, mm. yeah, I've been writing a little bit less of that right now, but I do like, I do sort of like that style of writing. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it sometimes feels like recess to me. <laughs> like the real job is working on the novel or, or whatever longer piece. Yeah. And then if you get an idea for a flash, you're like, oh, that would be way more fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a break. Yeah, yeah I... I think you're right. I also think it works really well for sort of what I would call thought experiments. So I think, I don't remember, I think it was your piece in Forever, which is sort of um, these two people in a car going to a murder site. Yeah. Um, And when I read it, I was thinking about how when I do Flash, it's very often like you come up with a crazy idea and you're like, this is kind of weird. Might this work? And as a Flash, it can totally work. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I like sort of isolating just like, you know, that one moment and, and see if it can like feel really big. Um, and a lot of flash fiction or shorter fiction, even if it's like a page or two, like they're just these little, um, explosions, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and no matter how great a longer story might be, whether that's 20 pages, like, or, um, a longer novel, like I just, I sometimes don't have the patience for it. I don't have the patience to write that way. I don't have patience to read that way. And um, to take a break is, is nice. Yeah, little explosions. That is how they feel. Yeah. Um, I, I know you're a lecturer, but I don't actually know what you teach. So what does the fall semester look like for you? Yeah, I'm at the University of Minnesota. Um, this is my second year teaching there. Um, and I have, I'm in the English department. So like both writing and literature. And I'm teaching a fiction writing class um, with undergraduates. And then I'm in, um, I teach um, the sort of advise, I guess, the practicum class for students who are creating the undergrad um, lit journal at the University of Minnesota. It's called The Tower. Oh, awesome. Um, Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, It's a really great group of students. um, And we're just sort of digging into uh, what we want that magazine to look like this year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, yeah, the common is, is mostly staffed by also by undergrad interns, um, at Amherst college. And it is, 
it's so fun to work with them. And I'm always so fascinated to see also what they're writing and what they're interested in and, and how different the trends can be and how, how different what appeals to them is. I wonder, like, do you feel like, are there certain things that your students love to do or love to read or, or things that they struggle with or like can't seem to sort of get their teeth into? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I've been noticing, you know, this is only our third week, but I, you know, taught last year and everything. Um, they, they seem somewhat like frightened of really difficult things. Um, as far as like their writing tendencies, um, you know, I, they want, I think they want things that are easier to write about that are easier to, to discuss possibly. Um, and they're kind of afraid to go into like the darkness. Uh, and that's not to say they don't, you know, they write a lot of like horror and things like that. Um, but sometimes they're just afraid to like take it to the, the places that really matter, I think. Um, but they're also incredibly bright. They're very smart. Um, we had our first fiction workshop this week um, and it's really impressive how well like someone, a kid who's 18 years old can talk about narrative and story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really quite shocking, actually. I don't know where they get it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have that at 18. I didn't either. <laughs> I thought I was a poet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, that's really great you're doing that. I really, I really enjoy, yeah, making a magazine with the next generation. Or maybe, I mean, at this point, the, the next generation after that. <laughs> yeah, I think we talk about that a lot, like what, what they're into and what I think they're like generations or something. And then I don't know, I don't really pay a ton of attention to that stuff. Mm. But, and then after them is like generation alpha. Oh my God. <laughs> I think which is possibly like what my children might be. I don't know. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's too much. It um, so always the last question we ask everyone is sort of what you're working on now and what's next. Uh, sounds like you're working on a novel. Yeah, yeah. Um, I sort of have a, I guess, a first draft. But, you know, like I said, it feels like a fifth or sixth draft to me. Um, yeah, it's a sort of a shorter novel, and it's like it's a dark comedy about euthanasia. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I have some like associates reading it right now. Um, they're hopefully going to come back with some some notes. Um, and then I've just started this other thing that I've kind of been working on through the summer and feels like a novel, you know, I've written 130 pages or so. Um, yeah. And it's just about, um, I don't know what it's about yet. It's about <laughs> a, a guy, sort of uh, a father kind of enduring a, a difficult, boring summer. Interesting. Yeah. That's it right and I, now. And I think you have a story collection too. Is that right? <laughs> Um, I, you know, yeah, I have, I have sort of a story collection composed. Um, but I think some of those stories in there feel old now. And mm. I think I would have to sort of rethink that, you know, cause I, mm-hmm. I just, I think I've been writing different things in the last year or so. Mm. It's amazing how, how fast that can change. Like how old stories from a year ago feel. <laughs> I know, I know. Or even, you know, months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jake Lancaster, thanks so much for joining us. I've really, really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much, Emily. I really appreciate it. It was nice talking to you too. Listeners, you can read Jake's story and subscribe to the latest issue at thecommononline.org.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.